Hey there, this is Jill and welcome back to another episode on the Pickle Jar podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This is our next episode of Pickle Juice and Pickle Juice is just a little bit of me sharing what's going on with my life personally living with adrenal insufficiency. Now this weekend I did a fundraising bake sale for two days raising funds for Team Addison Canada. Now Team Addison Canada is a nonprofit organization that I'm starting here in Canada at educating and advocating for people with adrenal efficiency across Canada. Um, so what happened this weekend was Friday at the start of the bake sale, I had to go back to the hospital for um, an urgent ultrasound for um, an infection that I have from my infusion pump. So my doctor is very proactive. So we're kind of staying ahead of the game to make sure that it doesn't lead to complications for me and my Addison's disease. Um, but as I was driving um, to the ultrasound, I was thinking a lot about, you know, Addison's disease and my life and kind of my journey. And I was thinking about how much physically and mentally, I, I really feel a lot more like myself the last few weeks and how how hard I've worked, you know, the last 12 years to get back to that person. Because when you get diagnosed with a chronic illness, you lose yourself. Um, you change physically and depending on, you know, what you're dealing with, um, there's definitely, I feel a grieving process in yourself and you start to lose hope that you're ever going to be close to that person that you once were. And it's, and it's very, very emotionally hard to deal with. And I just feel that I'm getting closer and closer to that person. And I want to thank you guys because you guys tuning into this podcast and listening and the feedback that I've been getting has given me um, just more purpose. Um, it's, it's, I really feel like you guys are my friends and it's given me an emotional outlet and having an emotional outlet is just so incredibly empowering in your own well-being. And I thank you for that. So, um, but as I was driving, I was thinking about my life and my illness. Um, if you haven't listened to any of the past podcasts, um, please go back and listen to them. So if you don't know um, a bit about my, my past, um, my first husband passed away when I was in my 20s and I was pregnant with our son. Um, and from that, I learned a lot of lessons. And one thing, you know, I had a lot of amazing people that came and helped me. Um, but I also learned how those amazing little acts of kindness from strangers made such a huge difference to me. Um, you know, I'd be out and just be, you know, I still had to go out in public and, and do things, get my groceries and, but I would go out so lost and so broken. And, you know, I would get someplace and, you know, somebody just opening the door for me or, and I could tell when somebody would open that door for me and they would just look at me, they, I could tell the people that recognized that brokenness that was inside of me. And I, I could see the compassion in their eyes. Um, they didn't have to say a word. I could just see it, that they were looking at me like, it's going to be okay. Like, just keep going. And that makes all the difference. And that's what I hope, you know, all of us sharing on this podcast do for some of you. So um, so as I was driving and I was thinking about how emotionally I love this podcast and everything it's given to me and how I kind of feel like I have even more of a purpose in my life, I wanted to share with you guys a chapter that I wrote in a book this year called Transforming Pain into Purpose. I'm very honored to be a part of this book. It was released, um, in July. It's a collaboration of 
35 authors of women who have taken some pain in their life and have turned it into their purpose. And I just wanted to share it with you guys because I think some of you are going to be able to relate to it. And, and I hope if you're in those dark days of wondering if you're ever going to get back to yourself, I hope that it just, maybe it'll just give you just a little bit of hope. Um, just a little bit of, a little bit of your power back, knowing that if you keep going and take it day by day, you can get there. It can get better. So, um, so this is going to be my first reading of this book, of this chapter. Um, after I submitted it, it was, it took so long to write. I had no idea a 3000 word chapter would take so long, be so emotionally hard. Um, but at the same time, therapeutic, I do believe you need to feel your pain to get through it. And I had to relive a lot of pain to write this chapter. Um, so, so yeah. And if you go back, if you listen to any of these episodes and you find that you do feel you get anything out of them, please, please help me share this. Um, that's where your power is going to come in to help other people is, you know, commenting, reviewing, subscribing, sharing on social media, whatever you can to do to get this podcast out there, because I really do believe that, you know, if we can just help a few people, um, you know, that makes, makes all the difference. And we know when we help a few, we all help a few, and it's just a wonderful ripple effect of love and powerful energy. So I'm going to share with you now my chapter called The Journey Back to Me. The last 22 years of my life feel as if I've been wa watching a horror film, wondering if there will be a happy ending. When I replay the reels of my life, I am heartbroken, speechless, and disconnected. I've been emotionally burned, beat up, and drowned. To add to this nightmare, I have once been physically betrayed and abandoned by my own body. Despite my nightmare, I am now inspired, amazed, proud, and in awe of my strength and courage. My life turned upside down without a moment's notice. That day and every moment surrounding that period in my life are forever etched into my mind and have left permanent scars on my heart and soul. My journey of unfathomable pain and immense strength began on June 16, 2000. I was 23 years and 20, 231 days old. Married for nine months, five days. At 1.24 a.m., my world shattered as I unknowingly laid sound asleep. The doorbell rang shortly after 6 a.m. I looked out my bedroom window to see a police cruiser in my driveway. I rushed down the stairs. I opened the door and silently stared straight ahead at the police officer as she said, Are you Derek's wife? Are you alone? Can we sit down? Derek's truck was in the driveway and his metal lunch pail sitting by the front door. I walked backwards through the hallway, staring at her in fear. I kept repeating, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me. Her hands were on my shoulders, guiding me. You need to sit down. Then, the, then my world came crashing down and my fears became a reality. Gazing into my eyes, she took a deep breath and softly delivered the devastating news. Derek died as the result of his injuries. I am still haunted by my screams that were followed by an eerie silence as life drained from every cell in my body. My husband was dead. I stared at her and in complete shock calmly said, what about the baby? What is the baby going to do without its daddy? It was the Friday before Father's Day. We were planning on announcing our pregnancy to our family that weekend. Instead, I picked out a cemetery plot, a casket, 
wrote a eulogy and stood beside my husband's dead body at his funeral visitation, smiling and carrying on with my honorary wife duties as I consulted the mourners coming to pay their respects. I spent as much time as I could with him, holding and loving him, cradling his face in my hands, begging him to wake up. Despite the numbing pain of grief, those last moments with Derek are some of the most precious and cherished moments of my life. Our love was brief, but unconditional, deep and true. He was my future, my whole world. Derek's light shone brighter than bright. As time passed and I was closer to becoming a mother, the unbearable weight of the grief I was carrying felt unconquerable. Every waking moment I was numb with sadness, panic, and loneliness. I was shattered and scared. Every day was tainted by this loss and every day was a struggle to get out of bed. Then on February 3rd, 2001, two amazing eyes greeted this world. And in our son's eyes, I saw a light that shone brighter than bright. His life represented the love shared between his parents, a love that deserved to be celebrated and remembered, not forgotten. And despite the obstacles that were in front of me, our son deserved the life that Derek and I planned together. I needed a way to, a way to overcome my grief. I wanted to carry on Derek's legacy. I wanted him to be proud of me. I was being smothered by grief, but needed to find a way to carry on. Without any reservations, I knew in my heart that Derek wanted me to find my happy ending, even if that story no longer included him. It was my un in my unrecognizable new world. I had to find a way to move forward, not move on. In those two amazing eyes that shone brighter than bright, I realized that I needed to make a choice. Be crippled by grief, crumble and fall, or feel the depth of my pain to find a way to move forward, not move on. I needed to be responsible for my own emotions. I vowed to be better, not bitter. My choice was to find a way to move forward, not move on. Our life slowly molded into a new normal. I eventually remarried and had twin girls. On June 5th, 2005, I was hit by another unexpected devastating loss. My father, my protector, my pillar of strength died from complications of a rare autoimmune disease. All my life, my dad lived with Addison's disease. His body no longer produced life-sustaining hormones from the adrenal glands. Without these hormones, the systems of the body cannot be regulated and death occurs. Everyday life with Addison's disease is fragile and he was dependent on daily replacement medication for survival. Every day there was a risk of a life-threatening adrenal crisis. He was only 56 years old. He was my hero. He was my Indiana Jones. My Indy died, and once again, I was paralyzed by grief and felt alone and abandoned. In the dark shadows of, of grief, my soul quietly whispered and reminded me that this was an opportunity to make a choice. Be crippled by grief, crumble and fall, or feel the depth of the pain to find a way to move forward, not move on. I needed to be responsible for my own emotions. I vowed to be better, not bitter. My choice was to find a way to move forward not move on. My life experience have left me with a unique perspective and a new appreciation for life. From the immense pain of losing my husband, I experienced and witnessed extraordinary acts of love and kindness. From the immense pain of losing my husband, I formed deep, meaningful, lifelong friendships. 
From the immense pain of losing my husband, two new lives were blessed into this world. Derek was gone from my life, but my choices from the pain allowed his love and light to continue. He was gone, but not forgotten. He was dead, but because of my choices, he continued to live. Before death stole my husband, I was in the process of completing my education to become a registered dietitian. The day Derek died, the doors of my career were opening as I was offered a position at a local hospital. This opportunity would give me the experience and opportunities I needed for the career of my dreams. My heart told me not to run from my grief, instead to find a way to incorporate it into my life. I declined the position to focus on managing the overwhelming obstacles in front of me and focus on raising my son. From the immense pain of losing my Indy, I had an opportunity to make a choice. My Indy was gone, but I would not let him be forgotten. The pain of losing my father reignited my desires to take the next step in my career. I needed to create an opportunity for my pain and find another avenue to satisfy my passion for helping others with their health and well-being. Understanding that well-being is beyond nutrition and despite the voices in my life telling me I would not accomplish my goals, I became a personal trainer and in time a yoga instructor. Joining together my knowledge in nutrition with fitness, I started a personal training business. I shared my life experiences as a platform to connect with others and use it as fuel to assist in improving their health and quality of life. I renewed my personal commitment to my own personal health and wellness, resurrecting my own personal lifestyle to be a positive role model for my children. Unknowingly, I was walking on a bridge of manipulation and betrayal as my health slowly declined. At the age of 35, six years following my father's death, I was delivered the shocking blow of being diagnosed with the same illness that stole my dad from my life and was ultimately sentenced to a daily struggle of survival and trying to find normalcy. Unbeknownst to me, this was going to be the darkest journey of my life. I was going to completely lose myself in unfathomable ways and continue to be stripped of my self-worth. I was going to become completely vulnerable to learn how to love myself deeply. And on this journey, I would find my true resilience and strength. Those first tender moments when I was diagnosed, I was standing at the pearly gates of the healthcare system. I was anxiously waiting for the archangels of healing to spread their wings and compassionately take me in their care, offering me their expertise and guidance to help me navigate through these new treacherous waters. I was optimistic about my quality of life improving and starting the journey of healing. Instead, I was casually instructed on how to manage my life-threatening illness and the magnitude of living with Addison's disease was quickly dismissed. You have Addison's disease, take your meds. Don't forget, you'll be fine now. See you in six months. I was handed a prescription and coldly sent home. Once again, I felt abandoned and overcome with feelings of helplessness. I was pulled from the fire of death, but my body was left to smolder and suffer. My soul was weeping uncontrollably and slowly dying inside. There was one person who listened and could hear my cries. My family doctor patiently guided and educated me on how to navigate my new world. I evolved from ill to empowered, from patient to expert, from helpless to hopeful. I remembered what was stolen from me. I started to remember who I was. On the journey back to me, there have been unanswered questions, resentment, denial, and disappointments. There have been side effects, placebo effects, anger, and fear. I was trapped in a system with an illness where even specialists rarely treat someone with Addison's disease. 
a system uninterested in research to make medical advances improve my quality of life. Every medical situation that I encountered was met with blank stares of ignorance, with no one willing to take responsibility for my care. On the journey back to me, the system that had saved my life voiced a universal message. I live with a rare chronic illness and my quality of life was not a priority. I was expected to accept my sentence of life with Addison's disease as my new normal and simply move on. When my husband died, I heard a similar resounding universal message from individuals who had no concept of the depth of my grief. That message was clear. I was young, time would heal, and I needed to accept his death and simply move on. The wounds of my grief I will carry the rest of my life as permanent scars. I did not accept Derek's death. Instead, I made a choice to move forward, not move on. To move forward, I locked that soul-wrenching grief in a box and buried it deep in my soul. When that box opens, I'm still overcome with the haunting depth of the same pain of the immense loss. I simply lived on. Beside my box of grief, I now bear the weight of another box. This box is my chronic illness box, and inside that box lives a little girl. When she was younger, that little girl in that box was called Alice by her daddy. She loved butterflies and baseball and boat rides. Her dog's name were Scott, Champagne, and Mindy. She liked to skip and run. She hated spinach, loved green Kool-Aid and licorice. She loved swimming, playing with her cousins, and watching her grandparents play the guitar. Her favorite song was Grandma's Feathers Bed. No one knew that I was that little girl trapped in the box. No one knew, so no one was trying to rescue me. Sometimes I would hear me, that little girl in that box. She would cry out, I'm still here. I'm inside th this box. Please don't forget and give up on me. I want out of my box. She would beg, please, 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 someone rescue me. I'd hear the real me from inside that box. I remember that girl I used to be. That girl the world had forgotten about, but I had not forgotten about me. I still exist inside that box. I won't give up on me. But I was paralyzed by fear and I was too tired to fight. I would cry all alone. I was terrified no one would help rescue me. Then I looked into my children's eyes and I would see that light shining brighter than bright. I thought when I die, is this how I want them to be, want to be remembered? A shell of who I really am? They don't know the girl in that box. They don't know the real me. My children, my shining lights deserve the real me. And in that moment, I realized I deserve the real me. In the dark shadows of my box, my soul quickly whispered and reminded me that I had an opportunity to make a choice. That choice was clear. I saw the light. I was the one who needed to rescue me. So I made a choice to move forward, not move on. To heal, I needed to feel the depths of my pain. I had to crumble and fall. I was responsible for my own emotions and needed to find a way to move forward, not move on. To get out of my box, I needed to navigate through uncharted waters with a soul that was starved emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I started pulling together my own resources, exploring a multitude of healthcare avenues using unconventional means of healing, challenging a system that had forgotten about the little girl in the box. With time, I slowly got stronger and realized my worth. That terrified little girl locked and trapped inside the box comforted herself as her light started to shine brighter than bright. To move forward, I had to make difficult 
have difficult conversations and make difficult decisions. It was about losing and failing. It was about letting go and surviving overwhelming dark days. I found patience in my healing. I learned self-awareness and learned to love myself deeply with compassion. I truly found my self-worth. I found a way out of my box and bravely walked away from my past. As I stepped out of my box and into my new world, I suddenly was transported in time. It was 1986. I'm 11 years old. It's a hot summer's day in August, and I'm playing shortstop in the championship baseball game. The intensity of the looming victory heightens as we only needed one out for the win. The, the winning moment of victory is a blur of excitement as I ran full speed and jumped into the arms of the coach. Every emotion of that moment is etched in my mind and permanently imprinted on my soul. It is the most magical moment of my life. Then I realized my hero, my daddy, my Indiana Jones, and his unconditional love for that from that magical moment when I jumped into his arms is what protected me inside of my box. It was his love that helped rescue me. I realized my Indy never died. He is forever alive inside of me, simply because I made a choice to move forward, not move on. As the next chapter unfolds, my past experiences will continue to define and influence every moment of my life. My next chapter will be written without fear, be built on respect and boundaries. I walk away from the whispers of my past, releasing the bitterness and will grab firmly onto happiness. It will be filled with self-love, self-appreciation and self-worth. The impact of those experiences in my life was intense, but they have taught me invaluable lessons. My journey of loss, grief and illness have been an imme immeasurable gift. I did not let the pain define or destroy me. I chose to acknowledge, embrace, accept my journey. I gave my pain permission to empower, inspire me. I discovered how to love myself deeply, found my true courage and strength. I recognize my wounds were not my fault, but healing was my responsibility. I will continue to give myself permission to learn, grow, and evolve. This next chapter will show the world the real me. And that girl that was forgotten and locked in a box is now the ambassador for Team Addison Canada. Using her voice to connect a community of individuals living with Addison's disease to live healthy, active lifestyles, spreading awareness and advocate for medical advances. Sharing our stories of struggles and triumphs, demanding better quality of life and together conquering the world of chronic illness. She's braving a new adventure, virtually building a, a wellness community with her new passion, Chronically Fit Canada. Her mission is to empower others, especially those with chronic illnesses, to, to rescue themselves out of their boxes, empowering them physically, nutritionally, and mentally to overcome the obstacles in front of them, guiding them to find their shining light of resilience and hope to better health. The last 22 years of my life have received a, ca have received a cascade of generosity and love that, have ignited, that was ignited by infallible loss. The ripple effect has been powerful and far-reaching and will continue to transfer lives simply because I made a choice to move forward, not move on. My happy ending is waiting for me because in the darkness, I found my light. And now I make a promise to that little girl that was forgotten and locked in a box. that until my last breath, her and I are worthy of our lights shining brighter than bright. And that is my chapter, The Journey Back to Me, 
in the book, Transforming Pain into Purpose. And again, thank you so much for letting me share that with you today. And I just hope that somebody listening to this, um, just remember if you're feel like you're locked in that box, just remember that person is still inside of you and just be the best advice I can give is the more love you can give to yourself that just empower yourself. That's what I did. I just loved myself the days I didn't want to. I just kept loving myself and telling myself I can get out of that box and that positive energy, that light just continued to grow. And there's so many lights in this world that are out there to help you just when you start looking for the lights and you start asking for them, I truly believe they will come into your life. So again, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Pickle Juice. And until next time, please be well, my pickles.